Well, welcome to the podcast. Yes, it's Rob Elliott here again on the Real People, Real Stories podcast. And we have an absolute awesome guest. He's from the other side of the uh, country, the other side of the world to where I am in Sydney, Australia. It's Nat Garrison. He is a full-time podcaster. He was in real estate. He is a triathlon nut. He's a proud dad and a very proud person from the state of Georgia. Welcome to the show, Nat. How are you, buddy? Great, man. Thanks for having me. Mate, that's absolutely awesome. And, you know, from all of us on this side of the world, we, you know, wish you all the best over there in the USA and hope you all get nice and well and back to some type of whatever normal is going to be. But before you became a full-time podcaster and you've got your own uh, coaching and all that, so a little birdie told me that you used to dabble in building. Yeah, yeah, that's my... I didn't dabble in building. That's my forte. That's where I feel most at home. I, yeah. I always say I'm a carpenter at heart, for <laughs> sure. And uh, and that's the the premise that I used to create the eight keys to great was like, yeah. it was the, the, the process is how to remodel or renovate your life mm. the way that you would remodel or renovate your home. And yeah, so- from years and years of doing that, that's kind of how all that kind of came to be. So did you come straight out of school into that or what did you do to get into building? No, I, it's, it was actually a, I've had several different careers. I I like to take my life in like these kind of 10 year increments. It seems I really like to get into something for about eight to 10 years. And then once I've done that, then I kind of get bored with that and move on to something else. So um, I started off right out of the gate uh, working at UPS uh, slinging boxes, you know, I, for those of don't, don't know, it's the shipping company, you yeah. know, um, if from those in the, uh, down in Australia, I, I guess you guys have like DHL or maybe something yeah. like that, but we got all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that, that's where I first cut my teeth in management and learned a lot of uh, principles of leadership because, um, man, you're, you're in the trenches there for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and then from there, I, uh, I've always built things. I think my love of carpentry and construction and all that really started as a child. Um, I, I was always making skateboard ramps and putting little things together and always stealing my dad's tools and getting yelled at <laughs> and pilfering the local uh, construction sites for leftover scraps of wood and things of that nature. Sometimes what I wasn't supposed to take, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I identified with that really early on. And then at some point I got to work for Owens Corning. Most people know them as the installation company, the Pink Panther logo yep. uh, that you may be familiar with. But uh, but they started a construction division, and I was fortunate to kind of get in at the ground level when they first started that. They were uh, coming out of an asbestos mm-hmm. uh, uh, lawsuit, um, class action lawsuit, and so they were trying to to gather some capital, and so they created this construction division because things were booming in the construction industry, and uh, it was called Home Experts, and Mm. uh, I started off just swinging a hammer like all the other guys, but then got into the management and eventually led our little region there uh, to be the the best in the country, and um, got a lot of opportunities from that, and eventually went out on my own from that. Uh, They eventually shut that division down and went back to their brick-and-mortar thing of insulation and shingles, which is what they know and what their main deal was and uh, and so so but that gave me the opportunity for the first time to really be an entrepreneur and go out there and do my own thing and um man it was so much fun it was a lot of hard work and i never worked so hard in my life Uh, but it was so rewarding and i think one of the coolest aspects of that was being able to have something to show for your efforts at the end of the day were you 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 good students 
Actually, I was. Um, surprisingly enough, I I tended to do pretty well. I I graduated from high school. Uh, well, I I did I did really good in high school all the way up to my senior year, <laughs> and I, I got accepted into the University of Georgia, go Bulldogs, yeah. and um and that was all set in stone and. Uh, I decided to go on to cruise control at that point. And we started skipping a lot of school and yeah. missing a lot of classes. And yeah. it came down to graduation day. And I didn't know if I was going to graduate. And I had already been accepted to the University of Georgia. Yeah. And uh, I had to uh, sweet talk a few teachers and uh, be real nice and come in after school and do a few things and yeah. was able to work it out. So I was able to go to university and, um, then, you know, went on to graduate from there. And, um, actually I ended up finishing my bachelor's degree while I was at Owens Corning, mm. um, doing that, um, doing that construction, uh, division over there. So, yeah. Wow. So you're on your podcast, you, uh, much like me, love to interview different people from, uh, different, uh, walks of life, different careers and that. And it's a little bit hard for us in Australia, especially to know what's really going on in the States because we only see what comes across. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit today about doing business in the States at the moment, what it's really like with the pandemic compared to over in Australia now where we're, fingers crossed, we're coming out of it if we are all learn to behave. And uh, we might see, you know, talk about some of your uh, your people. And I know you've, you've mentioned to me off here, you've got some exciting guests you want to talk about that uh, have really uh, been interesting. When you when this all hit uh, in Georgia, how did how did the uh, people react at first? Did they actually believe what they've been told? Did business adapt quickly to, mate, you've got to shut down, you can't do things that you've always done? Or did they try to just keep going? Well, I think across the board, when everything first hit in March, mm. um, across the board, uh, in, in the United States anyway, everything shut down. We yeah. all went into hunker down mode. Everybody freaked out. We really thought this because a lot of the information that was being touted at that time were death statistics hmm. and, and the death rates seemed to be pretty significant significantly more than traditional flu and some of these other viruses so across the board we as a nation shut down and i and for the record i have a, a sister and a brother-in-law and with a family in california yep. i have family in colorado yep. and i have family in florida and i have family in uh, oklahoma yep. so i've actually got a pretty good spread of information coming across from not 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 just from podcasters and other folks i'm talking to or, or guests on the show but actual family members and two of my family members have actually had covid19 two of my right. sisters have actually contracted it um but yeah so at the beginning we all took it serious we all yeah. hunkered down and, and even though me personally i didn't i i from day one for the record have been very concerned about the reaction to this virus much more so than the virus itself yeah um so that being said, I still took it very seriously because my wife, number one, has an autoimmune disease. So she yep. takes an immune suppressant. So she right out of the gate was very susceptible to it. And then yep. my youngest daughter has Down syndrome and she had yep. heart surgery. Now she's totally fine. But in theory, she's more susceptible. Yeah, that's um, true. Now, I don't I don't really know that that's true in her case personally, because she does phenomenal. But go being on the safe side even i kind of went the safe route yeah. but over time me personally i began to realize 
things weren't adding up. I was looking at what I was being fed in the media versus what I was seeing in real life. And it, things just didn't match up now. But that being said, I, I've always kind of been that outlier guy. I tend to be the disagreeer guy. I've got a whole podcast episode about COVID-19. So if you want to hear my <laughs> personal opinions, please go check that out. It's called construing COVID-19. Yeah. So it's worth a listen. It's not too long, but um, at any rate, uh, in Georgia, there was some real impressive leadership that I saw from the government. Um, our governor just managing, they were leading. Yeah, our governor actually implemented a law saying that you could not sue a business for contracting COVID-19. And all the businesses and storefronts were able to put that sign in their window, hmm. allowing them the opportunity to be open and to feel safe enough that they were that they could conduct business. And if, you know, by God, something awful happened, then they weren't going to be sued and shut down and go bankrupt. And, you know, because of one person happening to contract the disease. So. Hmm. Uh, I, I didn't like our governor, how he got into office. He did some real redneck tactics. I mean, you can hear from my voice. We're, you know, we're from the deep south of, of the United States. So we've, we've got some stereotypes to live down. And unfortunately, he lived up to some of those stereotypes <laughs> when he was campaigning. So I actually did not vote for him when yeah. he was uh, running for governor. Uh, but I will say that his leadership during COVID-19 has assured him that I'm going to vote for him the next term. Um, yeah. So there were others. I'll ask you before we get onto the podcasters you've had and how you've signed with them. Two things with a leader like him, what did you see change in him that would make you change? Not on the political side. So he must have changed something within himself to show good leadership where you probably didn't see it before. What, what was it about him that uh, made you change your mind? Well, I, I think he's, in all honesty, he has always been a good leader. Uh, the problem that I had with him was uh, some of his campaigning yeah. and the, the like stereotyping the redneck. He did a commercial yeah. with him holding a shotgun, yeah. talking about dating his daughter, and yeah. which all like in theory, like really appeals to me, the white bread country redneck guy that I am. Yeah, you know, that it was an ad designed for me, but yes. us being. Georgia being a very diversified state yeah. and, and Atlanta being an, an epiphany for black culture and yeah. all that, like it definitely distanced him from that. And so that mm. part really bothered me. But I, but that being said, I knew he was a good leader, mm. but I will compare some of his leadership and also the leadership of the governor of Florida did a, has continued to insist that, that businesses be open and conduct business mm. versus the governor of California and mm. the governor Cuomo of New York, mm. who I believe should be held on trial. I believe that the, that the, the agenda that they're promoting and that the restrictions that they're insisting upon are criminal. I believe yeah. that there, I mean, I don't know how much you guys know about our constitution and the rights and things that, yeah. you know, it's a little bit of different ball of wax, but me being a libertarian at heart uh, to watch these government officials violate our constitutional lot rights and, and do so on a, on a false premise, yeah. what we're finding out at the end of the day, I mean, don't get me wrong. I believe COVID kills people. I know yeah that it's a deadly disease, but I can also tell you that even from the, the far extreme 
left media that 80% of COVID victims or people infected with this virus either are asymptomatic, which show no signs whatsoever, or their signs are so mild that they require no medical attention whatsoever. Yeah. It's an 80%. So, I mean, that when you see that, and then you see them literally taking people's constitutional rights away from them. I I just recently posted something on social media where they were going to shut down the water and electricity in homes and businesses in California. And it just, I mean, to me, that's, you're talking civil war when you continue to promote that kind of agenda. There's too many rednecks like me that just won't put up with that. I think some politicians did it well. They got that balance between uh, civil rights, but also keeping people healthy. And then some politicians around the world, and we've seen a couple in Australia, go to what we call drunk on power and then let other people behind the scenes who have a different agenda use them to achieve what they want to achieve. And um, it is a balancing act, especially with this virus. Uh, What's right, what's wrong, no one knew. We were learning along the way. Some people got it really well. Others went crazy one way or the other. And it costs lives both ways. And and that's very sad. And I I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you you hate to see anyone uh, lose their life over something like this. But I've had the opportunity to reflect on some history. And Mm. there's a great autobiography about, or not an autobiography, but a biography Mm. uh, by William McCullough about John Adams. And they they go into a lot of detail about some of the pandemics and some of the viruses that were spread at that time. And when you reflect back on those and you see you know, people still, we, you know, there, there was actually a really interesting article uh, in the Salt Lake Tribune in the, um, in the mid 1800s, I believe it was, when a pandemic hit there. Um, and the same kind of thing. And they were asked to wear masks. And the, the, yeah. the similarities were pretty remarkable. Um, but when you see the shortened, you see how much worse it was for th- yes. those people and how much of a bigger impact on the overall population it yeah. was. And then you see how short a time frame they were able to come to terms with what it was. Hmm. And then you look at us and you see how we continue to extend and we continue to yeah. try to Second make way. this into you know, more than what it is. Yeah, then that's where it becomes problematic for me. Did you see uh, with business in Georgia, especially any businesses or in America that pivoted so well where others shut up shop closed up we saw them in australia then others saw it went wow this is a great chance for us to shift what we do change what we do and some of them are doing bigger business now than what they were doing before COVID. yeah so yeah there's actually a, that happened also in your state there's a couple of really cool success stories um, mm-hmm. i'd love to share them with you um one is a competitor to wh- who we are recording we're recording on zoom yes the platform that we're on today but there's another recording platform called Squadcast. Yes. And they've been around for a couple of years now. And the difference between Squadcast versus a Zoom is like on Zoom, we're recording over the internet. So there's always an opportunity for (laughs) Wi-Fi misfunction, a little twerk here and there. You'll always get that little burps and beeps and whatnot through the course of the conversation. Well, Squadcast, they record direct from you the source so you get a recording from my computer for my conversation Mm -hmm. and you get a recording from your computer from your conversation so all those blurps and beeps over the internet 
are gone. You will we'll still hear them through our conversation, but through the actual recording, they don't show up at all. So, yeah. and and if you have really good recording equipment, if you're set up with an audio um, yeah. device and all that, you really can't tell the difference between a, a conversation over the internet and a conversation in person. So. For me personally, as a podcaster, one of the, the things that I insisted upon when I first started was good audio quality. Yeah. For I'm not an audiophile by any stretch. I'm tone deaf and I, yep. I can't sing or anything like that. But when I was listening to podcasts, if it was a, a phone conversation or, or over the internet conversation, yep. I just could not get engaged with the content like I could when it was in person. Yeah. And so when I first started off, it was like I insisted upon in-person interviews. Hmm. And then, of course, COVID hit. And I, and I knew that realistically that wasn't a long-term thing that I was going to be able to do. But then as COVID hit, I happened to find Squadcast right at the same time. Yeah. And that platform allowed me as a podcaster to then pivot to doing online interviews and open up a whole plethora of guests that I never would have had guests like you in Australia that I never would have had the opportunity to talk to if I was insisting upon in person, in person, in person. Yes. So, yeah. um, so Squadcast is one who's done an amazing job. I'll yeah. tell you another one. Um, there's a company called eat engage, mm -hmm. eat Engage. Yep. And what they do, they're basically Uber eats for webinars. So let's say you have a webinar that you want to do yeah. and, and, you, and you, you're familiar, you work in this space a lot, and especially yeah. now with COVID, we know this is a, this is a virtual world we're living in. So the typical webinar will have maybe say 20% attendance yeah. for all the invites that you put yeah. out there. You'll maybe get 50. That's the, that's if you're getting 20%, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And then of that 15 to 20% of people who actually show up, you'll get maybe five to 10% actual engagement. True. And of that five to 10 percent engagement, you'll maybe get one or two percent that actually buy mm -hmm. or whatever it is that you're selling at the end of the day. So what what Eat Engage does is it provides a meal to the person that you're inviting to your webinar. Now, obviously, this adds a substantial cost yeah. to your webinar. It changes the dynamic quite a bit. But what it does is it gets 90 percent of the people that you invite to show up yeah and of that 90 percent that show up 75 percent engage eat yeah. engage and of that 75 percent half you're able to close with so oh, it, cool. it completely changes the dynamic of the webinar and it completely changes the dynamic of this thing that yeah. we're trying to do you know yeah. and so obviously when COVID hit and everybody was trying to do this online. There's all these different, or I'm trying to do this in person before, but then once the world shut down, they, they had been in business for about 18 months. And yeah. you talk about being primed and ready. I mean, their doors exploded. They wow. have not been able to keep up. They don't know what to, they're trying to hire left and right. I mean, it's just become this phenomenon that they're just, I mean, they've got a waiting list of people trying to get set up to do what it is they're doing. I'm waiting for the competition to show up. I mean, it's only a matter of time before somebody else is yeah. you know, basically because, because there's no rocket science to it. That basically you're just taking an Uber eats app and, and providing a list of menus for the, the few places that are close to the people that they're engaging with. And, you know, it's just basic set up. And, and when people get that meal, they feel obligated to listen 
they feel obligated to interact yep. and they feel ob- and then at the end of the day if you can get them to listen and interact then you can sell them and then if you can't close that deal then you might have to look at change at what you're selling <laughs> oh yeah or change or change your industry it's much like uh, iphone was just a copy of nokia nokia had the t- technology didn't do anything with it and apple went i'll have that and uh that apple something else man yeah look I, uh, I don't have an apple, but a lot of my friends do. It's just... They I, don't get along with me. I, I, I badmouth them too much. I've, we were actually talking about this on another podcast. Like, me and Apple don't get along. And, like, <laughs> their, their equipment, their devices, they know how much I dislike them. So, they, they intentionally malfunction anytime I'm even close to them. We just, we just so don't they, get they along. They built an algorithm into their phone. So, if Nate G gets anywhere close, they're going to shut down. The anti-Nate G algorithm. <laughs> Mate, you've uh, you've pivoted a lot like I have at the start of this and gone online and now we've been talking to people around the world. Is there any one of your, or two or three of your podcasts that you've done, they've really surprised you or your guests have really uh, been super interesting that you never thought, you know, wow, they've come out with some stuff that, you know, a totally different way of thinking or a totally new product or anything that really catches the eye that you could share with some of my listeners? Oh man, there's so many. That's like asking me to like talk about my children, dude. That's, like, <laughs> that's really tough. I could go so many different ways. Um, uh, let's see if I you want you want something old or something new. I've got well, I've got probably both. Uh, some of my older episodes or newer from episodes the, from the start of COVID and then something towards now that because that'll be a good. It has changed people's thinking of everything and how we do everything. I mean, there is no norm. We're not going back to norm. Yeah, because no one knows what the norm is. Yeah. So, after listening to all the guests you've done over the last, say, six months, and say they say tomorrow, okay, COVID's done, how do you see businesses coming out of this? How do you, what do you think they're going to have to do to like the businesses are never going to be the same again? We've gone online where we've never been alone before. We've gone to delivery and home delivery. People are working from home now, one day a week at minimum where they're working, you know, the other way, five days, and people have gone, well, no, hang on a minute. My life is more important and my family are more important than spending 60 hours in an office in a city and not seeing my kids when they go to bed. And what what was important to us seven months ago is very different to what's important to us today. So how do you see businesses and the people you're speaking to adapting to what may be or whatever the new norm will be. And how do you think they're going to react when the boss says, I need you to work overtime? And they go, nah, I want to be home with my family. Well, now I think there are some opportunities to do some of that overtime. I think there's some opportunities to take advantage of some of that. Mm. Um, this is a That was a beautiful question to launch right into my whole spiel about lifestyle design. Yeah. You know, like that's yeah. a whole big aspect of our podcast and, and my eight keys to great principles. Mm. It's, a, it's how do you craft a lifestyle by design? How do you create that everyday life that's fulfilling and and that keeps you going and and, and makes your makes your life worth living? You know, the the best thing about this COVID situation is we have seen a shift to more digital to a more yeah. digital lifestyle of, of, of how we conduct business. Yeah. And so what that's actually created is a lot of opportunity for people to not 
live that commuter life because like Atlanta, where I live, I mean, we are a commuter town. It is not uncommon for anyone to be go driving an hour each way to their job. I mean, that's the norm in this town. It's just what it is. And the traffic has been horrible. And now with this shift and with people working from home and, and this virtual lifestyle that we're living now you're seeing people okay well instead of having to go to the office five days a week or even six oftentimes now it's maybe two or three times every two weeks and so instead of having so now instead of commuting an hour each way every day well now maybe i can live even further out i can live wherever i want to because i'm only having to make that trip or even like a two-hour trip once a week two times every two weeks you know that's that that allows you to now live in places that you hadn't thought about living before it allows you to go to areas where you wouldn't normally have access to so i think that right there in and of itself that getting out of the city because i think the people that have been impacted the most by this disease especially from a mental standpoint are those folks stuck in the city i cannot imagine i've got a sweet friend that lives in manhattan and I could not imagine what my life would be like stuck in Manhattan right now or Let's Brooklyn. Back to I, and Manhattan's less than nice area. Well, imagine Brooklyn, you know, something like that. I spoke to a gentleman in London the other day for a podcast, and he cannot go and see his next door neighbor. Tragic. And, Absolutely tragic. And he, so look like at the mental health coming, aspect of that. He said, I'm lucky. He said, because I have the means to look after myself, I've worked hard. Money isn't an issue for him, he said, but that, for many others, loneliness and all that is being an issue. What do you see is going to be the, and now in your program, you go through a whole heap of steps on how to, people can reshape their life and how to get balance back into it. What do you see is going to be the hardest step for people to take when they want to reshape their life post-COVID? I think it's that first step. I think it's just getting started. It's it's having to take a step back from your life and Mm -hmm. say, okay, what is it that makes me happy? What is it that actually fills my bucket? You know, and it's like the 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 silly answer that you know, well, the the easy answer is always to go to well, what makes me happy? But I think that it really needs to be about what gives me purpose, what gives me meaning to my life, you know, because happy is fleeting. You know, you can eat a fillet. Or a, yeah. a great steak every single day but by the 30th day all you want's a hot dog because mm. you're so sick of that you know so that happiness factor isn't sustainable but if you can find something that is meaningful something mm. that gives you purpose you know like for me that that building you know having you know always being the construction guy i was always crafting something i was always making something like having my hands on something having to shove something to show for my effort something to show for my work you know that was a very fulfilling thing for me so you know that's what i always tell people is like okay if you if you won the lottery if you had 10 million dollars once you've once you've already done the travel once you've already got your because when you say okay well what would you do with a with a million dollars or what would you do with a billion dollars well oh i would invest in this i'd buy this house okay then what Okay, then what? Next, next. Okay, so once you have the cars, once you've gone to all the vacant, you you can't travel the world for 10 years and still want to, you know, eventually that's going to get boring for, you know, so how do you want to spend that every day? And so the best thing about COVID is like, now it's given us this chance to say, okay, well, how am I spending my day now that I don't have to make that commute now that I don't have to jump all over the place? 
what do I do? And I think that's been really terrifying for a lot of us because we've never had to ask ourselves those questions. I asked, so, uh, I asked a similar question when I teach people, we used to teach people public speaking. And at the moment, you've got to, we've got to do it differently because we're doing it like this. And I used to say to someone, they, we talk about purpose and, you know, doing something you love. And they, they didn't quite understand what it was like. And I say, okay, I'll give you this speech, go off and learn it, come back and talk about it. And they come out and they present it to the class. And then I'd whisper in their ear now, tell me something that really you love doing. And they'd say, soccer. Or they'd say, cooking. And I'd turn around to them without warning and go, okay, I want two minutes on cooking. And their whole body changes, their face changes, everything changes. We all have our passions. Rolls off and the then tongue. you'd have to tell them to shut up because they were just <laughs> going and going and going. But it's like me with my kids are great. You can't shut me up. Then it would click. And it has nothing, to, it's got to do with public speaking, with doing something you love with your work, something you do out of work. Exactly what you just said, purpose versus pleasure. Pleasure is fleeting, purpose is forever. That's the truth. Well, if you, if you want a great book on this subject completely, it's called, uh, there's an there's a amazing quote by Steve Martin, hmm. uh, comedian, actor. Uh, yes. it, it says, uh, be so good they can't ignore you. And Cal Newport, wrote a book called so good they can't ignore you hmm. and it talks all about this subject about how you know going like we can't all be yoga instructors everybody like oh well just do what you love or whatever well, i love yoga <laughs> you know that, that that's not that's gonna yeah, we're not going to all be rock climbers or, you know, like I, I couldn't be a, you know, a professional triathlete as much as I'd love to be. You know, that just doesn't play into the cards, you know. Uh, but but when you can identify something, like I said, like we were talking about before, when an early childhood or whatever, like that you're passionate about that cooking yeah. or whatever, uh, when you can, you know, when we start talking about it, you said they get very comfortable, you can't shut them up. They also quit using the ums yes. and the likes yes. and the, they, they stop stammering their, their, their speech becomes fluid you know it's yes. like every, and that's what happens to me when i begin to talk about something i'm passionate about it's like okay now it's like i just i can't i'm an explosion you know it's like yeah. you can't shut it up volcano it is so true so if you were thinking about it now and the restaurants have reopened and i had of interest for people who aren't from georgia What's your favorite restaurant over there? What's your favorite that you love to go to? Oh, oh gosh, man. Well, I, where I live, dude, we're blessed with so yeah. many. Um, there's a, I mean, there's a place right around the corner for me called Papa Jack's. Papa I'd Jack's. love to give them a club. That sounds <laughs> such an American name. What is it really fried <laughs> food that puts a heap of fat on you or something? No, no, it's not even, it's just, it's just good old Southern food. Yep. And it's just like, it's like the, the home cooked meal kind of yeah. deal. Um, they have a drive-through and it's amazing. They were in a little strip before. They're just this yeah. little hole in the wall. Um, and I love to be able to plug them because, you know, they would never advertise. And unless you live in, unless you come out here to this little So what are they spot in the middle of nowhere. Or do they um, just country food? food, just country. Like, to be honest with you, I love all their vegetables. I love all those country vegetables yep. on the sides. I mean, I just get like one of everything when I show up there. Like, I'll basically <laughs> get enough for two meals because... Uh, I'm a foodie at heart, so I love yep. to eat. But, you know, being in the South, we're also blessed with a lot of really good barbecue. 
um mm. for me that's something i'm very passionate about yeah. um I, I grew up cooking i grew up like you mm. grew up you know in the hotel industry i grew up in the restaurant industry yeah. put myself through school that way and um so I'm, I'm very passionate about food and I love really good quality food. Yeah. And I have such a high level of respect for pit masters, guys who really know how to smoke meat properly, yeah. because to me, it is a bit of an art form. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's uh, a method to the madness in a lot of it. And, and it's not something that you can just follow a simple recipe or just you know follow a step-by-step -step instructions and have it work out you kind of have to have a little bit of a gift if you want to be honest with if i want to be completely honest with you um but uh yeah so and there's and there's several uh great barbecue joints uh in atlanta if you ever get to the states i'll uh i'll wine you and dine you on all kind of different places i, I like will that. get to the states and i will expect to go to papa jack's absolutely but oh, in I, the meantime i'm gonna ask you a question that you don't know is coming. Who, two people, anyone, live or dead, that you could share a table of Papa Jack's with? Who would it be? Oh, man. Oh, wow. There you go. See, I didn't warn you about this one. So No, but I love the question. That that's so, I mean, the, the one right off of the gate is uh, Jim Rowan. Yes, um, yes. He was the mentor of Tony Robbins, if anybody doesn't know him. Yeah. He's, if you go look him up on YouTube, he's got plenty of content there. And he's yeah. just this, he actually kind of looks like you a little bit. He's kind of got the gray and the beard and everything. Well, he actually doesn't have a beard, but he's got the, the gray hair and everything. He's just, and he's from Idaho. You know, he's like the son of a farmer, you know. But, uh, but gosh, he just has, a, and he probably doesn't resonate with a lot of people, especially of like the millennial generation and the younger generation, probably he would not appeal to, but I just love the guy. I just, I could listen to him talk for, and some of his YouTube things are like two and three hours, four hours long. And they just go on and on and on. And I have no trouble whatsoever, just soaking all that up. I would love to have He's he's passed now, so I'd yeah. love to have had the opportunity to spend some time with him. Uh, the other one is Abraham Lincoln. Um, yeah. I, I read a, a real brief biography about him, and one of the uh, really things didn't talk. Any, I mean, he's known for so many cool things, but before mm. any of that, um, when he was early on in, in the early days, they were sent to what was the the Western Front, and the Western Front back then was uh, northern or the the western part of New York State. Yep. Um, and they were going out there to build a fort and they got out there in the dead of winter and it was miserable. They didn't have any food. And, mm -hmm. but, but they had this mission, they had to get this fort built by spring so they could bring the folks out to mm -hmm. do the next thing and whatever. So all through the winter, they were building this fort and it was horrible conditions. Nothing was going right, but they, they had this incredible bond and they just, everybody was in great spirits and they were all working towards this common goal. And, you know, and they, they accomplished the impossible. They got this fort done by the spring and it was this yeah. really cool, amazing thing that they were able to do and springtime coming, they were done. They, 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 they did it. They, mm -hmm. they did what they were trying to do. And so they had, they would just had to chill, yeah. just hang out. Just wait for the wait for everybody to show up and do the thing, whatever. And as they because they had nothing to do because they were just standing there, everything fell apart. People started bickering. There was fighting amongst each one another. People started getting into fights left and right. That there was the total disharmony across the entire uh, camp, if you will. And and it was because there was no purpose. They had nothing that they were striving and working. They had food. 
they had drink, they had all the the comforts of life that they were looking for, that they were waiting for and working so hard for through the course of that winter. Mm-hmm. But because there was no direction, because there was no goal at that point, everything fell to pieces. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he talks about what an impact that made on him very early on. And mm-hmm. that story made a huge impact on me and talking about like how we were talking about earlier, having purpose versus seeking mm-hmm. happiness. And that story was just such a great example of that principle. So is that, was that a bit of an inspiration for the course? And you need to tell everyone what your course is all about, where they can find it. But uh, you've got to get that plug in. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, but is that really where your, your course is about, giving people the uh, tools to find their purpose? Um, yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, to, uh, like uh, going back to the lifestyle design thing, that's really what it's all about. It's really about creating the life that you want to have like yeah. figuring out what it is that you want to do and if you don't mind i mean i'll i'll go give you a quick overview of how the program works and we'll put a link in the show notes as well so people can follow through and they can contact you direct but yeah. uh yeah give us the as we used to say if you met kerry packer who used to be one of the biggest uh media owners in the country he owned everything cricket he owned the whole lot and you were in the uh, lift with him and he wasn't a man that said a lot of things and he's notorious for saying you have one minute oh yeah so Nat, you got <laughs> one minute what's your course all about brother there's no way that's getting done in a minute no uh, like i said i mean it's basically renovating your life yeah. the way that you renovate your home so basically the first step is uh defining that dream yeah and so it's basically the um assigning 40 items of what it is that you want, like literally taking the time to really identify what it is that you want out of life and then assigning some numerical values to that, a one, three, five, and 10 year uh, assessment from that. Now, once you've defined the dream, once you've kind of envisioned what the, the mansion on the hill is supposed to look like, going back to the whole construction metaphor, okay, yeah. well, now you need a set of prints. Yeah. You set of plans on how you're going to make this house, yeah. how you're going to make this life, right? So the next step is design your blueprint. And yeah. so uh, through creating your blueprint, you've got a set of plans for the plumbing. You've got the electrical. You've got the HVAC. Well, each one of those plans represents some aspect of your life. And this is mm. this is all the goal setting. This yeah. is the personal wellness. This is the yep. the business development and the and the um, and all these different aspects of it. So once you've got the plan, once you've assigned all the different things, okay, well now you got to demo the bad habits, man. Yeah. You got to demo the rotted wood. You got to have a clean slate to work with, right? Mate. I really do. Yeah. So, so that next step is, is, is that it's, it's the demolition. You're getting rid the only way that you can get rid of those bad habits is by replacing them with good ones. And so, where so do they one find of, it? I'm sorry. Where do they find the course? Oh, it's uh, it can all be found at, uh, eight keys to great.com or net. Uh, the trick to the website though, is it's, and I, and I didn't really think about this as I've been presenting and sharing, it's become painfully obvious. I didn't go about this the right way. So it's the, the number eight keys, ah. the number two great. <laughs> dot com or dot net i got both domains but so that makes it a little complicated for people trying to look it up and if they don't have a direct link through the show notes yeah. or if uh if you're not hooking up with me through social media then if you're having to actually cold find me um you know but if you type in the extraordinary podcast um typically you'll get some kind of link through there as well so um 
all, all of my content is on that platform. We've got a blog, we've got um, the podcast, obviously, and then um, some other, not only do we have the program, but we've also got some really great resources as well. Um, Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to you today. I love your passion. I really do. It's great to have someone on that isn't afraid to say what they think. I think we need more of that. Uh, we all respect each other's opinions. I think it's great that uh, you're not afraid to say what you're thinking. It's what you believe. Anyone who gets to watch the video, this can see it in your face. You're a man, you, who you are. Your podcast, mate, I listen to it. I love your guests. They are absolutely awesome on the Extraordinary Podcast. You can find it on all the channels. It's been brilliant speaking to you, Nat. Uh, you stay safe over there in Georgia. You stay healthy. And uh, we do look forward to uh, catching up again soon. Yeah, man. Next time we're going to do it in person because either you're coming to the States or I'm getting down there to Australia, one of the two. And then we're going to get rowdy and do it for real. Mate, not a problem. We're all, don't forget, everyone, if you like our podcast, please hit the like, hit the share. You know what? We're all, do we don't make any money out of this. We do it for our love. And as I said, everyone, have a groovy day. <laughs>